0: Hello, and welcome to Frameline. This is Barbara Gosowski and I'm here with my favorite co-host and critic, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you today? Good, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Well, we've got a lot to talk about. Suddenly, Toronto is exploding with festivals, and we like it that way. Uh, so, uh, let's just get right into it. We're going to talk about uh, the Toronto Black Film Festival. It's the eighth annual Uh, That uh, that's, you know, happening this week. But also what's happening to this week is the Next Wave Film Festival presented by TIFF, the TIFF Next Wave Festival. And it's, uh, it's free for anyone who's uh, 25 and under. So uh I we're going to talk about some of the films but I had a chance to talk to Bridget Tierney who oversees the programming committee and when you listen to the interview you'll hear how unique uh this committee is and what a great opportunity this is to see some really new work by some really interesting young filmmakers so here it is Bridget Tierney Next Wave Film Festival about organizing the festival about actual the actual selection process because it sounds like it's it's actually uh, quite fun and empowering because young people get to choose how other young people express and you know the desires the dreams that, the the wishes of of other young people
1: Totally. Yeah, Um, we do have a very lucky kind of programming model for next wave. So the process sort of begins. We cull the best of youth cinema from festivals around the world. So we start looking mostly online, um, seeing what other festivals have programmed and seeing what's out there and what looks exciting. And um, then I watch a lot of content. (laughs) And then when I think something is kind of close to the mark, I don't always know, and I'm very happy to say that. Uh, I put it in front of our Next Wave committee, and our Next Wave committee are 12 young people from across the GTA that we recruit annually. We interview them and get to know them a little bit, and we choose them, it's competitive. Um, And then we put the films in front of them, and then we have these kind of very exciting conversations about. Why these films really hit something close to what they're feeling and what they're experiencing and living through, or why they don't, and um, from there we kind of build a roster of films that we're excited to share with the people of Toronto. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting to see this year's selection. There's
0: so many fierce protagonists, whether they're battling something, and whether no matter how it turns out for them, they're still fighting fighting the good fight, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So do you think that's something that's happening or is that something that just, just gelled with you guys?
1: I mean, I think there's always kind of a fierceness to our programming. I think it doesn't shy away from harder stories or stories that are pushing, you know, what it means to be growing up on screen. And I think as much as we love kind of the classic high school film we're also really excited about narratives that are moving beyond that so i think that's what we're seeing this year and i think we're seeing young people in their fullness and integrity as like the champions and as exactly the protagonists in their lives they're not being narrated through a parental lens or even like an adult lens necessarily it's really like their POV and how they're seeing the world. And I think what we're seeing is like a lot of integrity given to that, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I also noticed there's
0: a lot of diversity, which is always welcome and exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, did you feel like there was more diversity happening this year or do you feel like in, when it comes to the youth and, and the next wave, you guys
1: have always had your finger on that pulse. We have, we have. Our committee is incredibly diverse and that's always been a, a really um, obvious and amazing opportunity for us. So it's not like something we have to fight for. It's always been true for the Next Wave committee, which is great um, and integral to everything we do. For films every year is kind of like, are we gonna make it this year? Are we gonna have the stories that are capturing the full kind of vitality and diversity of experiences of young people? Um, and are they being told in the ways that feel right. Um, and you know, as much as that, that marker is shifting, the, the shift is slow. And it's interesting to notice, um, you know, I work with the committee every year and to notice how they're reacting to huge leaps forward. And then the setbacks as well. Like I remember in our first year after moonlight, it was like, I thought everything was going to be different now. You know, a lot of people did right. Exactly. So, you know, it's like that slow process, or like this year we have gin, which is phenomenal. And it's, you know, a black, girl lead and she's also you know converting to islam and like that's adding so many layers but it's still one of the only coming-of-age films about a black young woman who that is like directed and written by a black woman Mm -hmm. you know so it's like still very very innovative for storytelling and i think they're a little bit surprised still that that's not happening more often
0: were there any surprises this year the whole process
1: in the films, particular films or a
0: process or
1: um I think I'm always really delighted when they are you know I can watch a film and I almost immediately be like oh this is gonna work but what I always love is when I don't necessarily connect with it and the more I'm not connecting the more I'm excited for young people to be able to connect I'm no longer a teen very far from. Um, so I get excited when there's that like authenticity. That's so far from me that I know it's going to resonate and excite our audiences. Um, so that's always a little bit surprising, but also delightful. Um, and I think just like, you know, we're telling a story about a teenage girl and she's doing things that we've seen before, like experimenting with her sexuality and, you know, partying with her friends, but she's also, like, the way they're in, um, exploring her changes in her body in this movie blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like that. And it's, like, it's so intense and it's so graphic. And it's also really emotional. And, like, it just feels like, oh, this is the best way you could possibly talk about puberty. Is like a girl kind of becoming a fish. So that's a surprise. (laughs) Who who knew that's what we needed? You know the filmmaker Denis
0: Villeneuve, one of his first films, had a fish angle to it, which has no connection to the way this fish (laughs) angle works out. But I'm just saying, fishes are sometimes a good sign in
1: Canadian cinema. There we go. There we go. (laughs) I hope he sees it. Denis Villeneuve, check out Blew My Mind. (laughs) he 's a darling man. You should just send him like a <laughs> link. <laughs> send him an invite
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean this is the kind of festival that you want a lot of people to see. You want other people to see it as well. Mm-hmm. I mean it 's free for people under twenty five correct the so festival. there's no excuses there, but other people as well because uh, it's so it's it's like I've always said with uh, with short films or with first features you don't know you know if if you think back on the history of cinema you don't know if suddenly a genius a genius film is right there mm-hmm. and it has nothing to do with the person's experience as a filmmaker um, and in this case, <clears throat> there's such a range of films in the festival i mean you've got something. Uh, like Minding the Gap, which is an Oscar nominee. So hint, hint, go see that one. (laughs) Um, But then you've got a whole slew of films that are fresh, uh, freshly
1: made, not yet shown, at least here. Let's yeah, talk a bit about that range. And I mean, Mining the Gap's a great example because I think Mining the Gap would have always played next wave, right? That's a next wave film. Yeah. The shift is that the Oscars paid attention to it. Yeah. Like we knew that that was, that movie blew my mind last year, um, <laughs> pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> but you know that this, these films are being taken seriously because we're looking for that voice that is authentic. And these stories that are like raw, Mining the Gap is a raw film and it's so brave. And I think that, like, I don't want to say naivete, but that youthful courage is given credit in that movie, and that's what makes it shine. So, yeah, I think a lot of the films at the festival do something similar, and I highly encourage people... Who are not necessarily teenagers or young even under 25 um, to come and to pay for the ticket because i promise these are these are good films for for everyone
0: mm-hmm. are there any other films that you want to highlight like that oh. maybe films that people don't know that sure. aren't oscar nominees sure, i know sure. it's like
1: picking your favorite babies but <laughs> and then i always forget some um i i would definitely highlight socrates it's short and simple and very, very strong made in Brazil, um, in collaboration with like real young people in Brazil. Um, and it's just this very sweet and simple story about a 15 year old boy who loses his mom and has to kind of figure out how he's going to live his life in multiple different ways that are challenging. Um, Socrates. Carmen and Lola is a beautiful film from Spain. I was thinking about that yeah. yeah, It's so good. It's so bright and bold. It's about the Roma community in Spain, something we do not talk about. Um, and the way they're represented is really smart and generous. Not generous in terms of their community, but just in terms of filmmaking. Um, and it's a queer love story. It's very, very tender. What else? And it's very fierce. Those
0: characters... In, in, I'm thinking of Carmen and Lola. Oh, yeah, the, the characters. I made those
1: are memorable characters oh yeah and it's beautifully shot it's it's phenomenal i love that film respeto is a film from the philippines we have a huge filipino community in toronto so i'm really excited about that film it's about manila it's contemporary it's not too on the nose but it definitely has like what's happening in in manila all over it and it's about rap like underground rap and poetry intergenerational really strong protagonists really tender young people i think you know the thing that's really cool is that these young people are not only fierce and courageous and brave in these movies But they're tender. There's a lot of emotionality. It's a, it's a really nice combination of things going on mm-hmm I really like the the, the
0: fresh perspectives, but also The way I don't know how many uh, of the filmmakers are well-versed in cinema But I think in terms of taking in images. There's probably been a lot of taking in of, of images and it's it reflects in the cinema because even as you were describing Carmen and Lola i mean think of it there's all those elements in there um, whether the filmmaker has graduated from like some sort of you know film history course or not it doesn't matter because they've somehow found a way to reflect all that and that's that's the kind of thing that makes uh, the new wave festival exciting is it's not just the fresh perspectives but it's the fresh filmmaking styles, which, which I, I'm always fascinated with.
1: Yes, completely.
0: Okay. So you did mention, um, you know, how others have in previously represented the youth experience, right? And so, you know, that if, might have eventually led, you could argue, I don't know, if that could have led to maybe the youth finally taking the cameras into their own hands, right? Uh so that's reflected in an event at the festival as well, right? The Movie Marathon.
1: Mm-hmm. So tell us a bit about that. Uh, so well, we have the Movie Marathon, which is the classics, kind of like more traditional coming-of-age films. So this year they pushed the envelope there too, Millennium Mambo, um, Princess Mononoke. So not your classic kind of coming-of-age films, but still films that are exciting for the youth. But we also have the Young Creator Showcase. So that's a short film program, all films made by young people under the age of 20 or 25 and under. Um, and those two, I mean, the, the, similarly to everything we program at next wave, the cinematic quality is exceptional. And, And these filmmakers are, you know, 14, 16, 18, 21, 22. Um, and what they're doing in two minutes to 16 minutes is phenomenal. Their production design, their cinematography, the direction, the performances, I mean, it's really, really good. And Again, how they're exploring themes that matter to them is super innovative. So I'm really excited. It's the first year we've had a shorts program at Next Wave, and they have been asking us annually to put that because our local audiences are so loyal to each other, and they love to come out and see each other's work. Mm-hmm. So that is doing phenomenally, and we, we can't wait to see what that feels like at Next Wave. And exactly you know what
0: I was thinking before, that we could find our next cinematic geniuses right there mm-hmm. as well. As well as in the future. Yeah, totally. <laughs> All right, so thanks so much for talking about this really exciting event. Thank you for having us. Okay, so that was Bridget Tierney. She oversees the Next Wave Committee, and uh, they put together the TIFF Next Wave Film Festival. It starts tomorrow, and it runs until the 17th, returning for its eighth year. If you want information, it's tiff.net slash Wave. Like I said, it's a cinema by young women, uh, by young people. There's a focus on women this year um, by young people, uh, put together by young people. Everything's run by young people. And um, it's, uh, you know, as I was mentioning in the interview, there's an Oscar nominee included this year in the lineup. And that would be the film Minding the Gap. By Bing Liu, and so I, let's uh, Courtney and I. You know, are going to chat a bit about these films, so we can tell you, you. Start
2: with Money in the Gap.
0: Yeah, let's talk. Start with that one. I, I was really impressed with this one. Uh, like I said, Oscar nominee for best documentary. It's it's got this wonderful scrappy kind of energy of youth, but the, that kind of energy, the energy throughout the film, really. Is what uh, makes it stand out, N- not just w- the way that uh, Bing Lu puts it together. Uh, it, the ener- it, but it's the energy I, I think that really made it stand out uh, as something different, as a different way of looking at uh, a group of young men and things that they go through, including you know facing like life challenges and dealing with different themes and different kinds of uh, challenges of uh, being male and young and and everybody's got you know a different background, but they're all tied together by their love of skateboarding. And so from this scrappy energy that I men- mentioned a minute, minute ago, sometimes it shifts to this kind of scary, violent vibe um, or the threat of that. Um, and then... There's also these moments where, you know, you've got this lingering sadness that can overtake any one of these individuals, um, you know, that can overtake all of us. And so we can all get sucked into that because we understand that feeling, that that frustrated feeling of being defeated or of not getting something or not getting it right or, you know, in life. It's just like this really... Fantastic insight into life and living in the everyday.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful film. But I'd say it's probably my favorite doc from from last year because I, I really love this one. And I think when you talk about the the challenges that they come that they have to overcome, and it's really almost like a work in progress. Like each one of them yeah. has their. the weight of the world on them for various reasons, but all of them are are linked because of skateboarding and also that they didn't have positive male role models in their lives. Yes, Like a lot of their stress and and trauma is, you know, what we would define nowadays as toxic masculinity, but in various forms. So the film touches on violence against women. It talks about um, verbally abusive fathers and physically abusive fathers. And it's interesting seeing how these three young friends are now trying to figure out how to navigate life. And one of the friends has a, a young baby. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> when you have a child, you have to grow up expediently. And he's yeah. still very much the, I want to drink with my friends. And you see his turbulent relationship with his girlfriend.
0: Yeah, because he's very young still. He's
2: very young. And then also you, you see kind of like shades of the father now sleeping into the son's relationship and things that happen. It's It's a wonderful film. And, you know, the fact that they were able to bond through their love of skateboarding and their pain, and then you hope that they all make it out. But you know, the future is still quite uncertain for them. Yeah. Because like as with everything, you're constantly evolving, constantly changing, and it's just a wonderful film. I was captivated from like the beginning when it was just like really cool skateboarding footage to like yeah. the very end. It's like <laughs> wow, this is a I thought it was just a phenomenal phenomenal film
0: I agree absolutely now uh, I'm just gonna talk quickly about a film that I, oh we both saw this one right Carmen and Lola yes yep. so okay so, so from the toxic masculinity let's go all the way over to this kind of more female energy and I'm not just talking about the fact that it's a story of two young women in love it's it's the the fact that they're two uh, teenage women and the kind of it's again, I, I can't help but think in terms of energy, the energy that they bring on screen, their presence. It's directed by a woman. And so there's this to me, it felt like with the vibrancy of the images, it's not just because it takes place in the Roma community on the outskirts of Madrid. It, it's, it's like, it's like, f- like it's different kind of, of feminine sensibility is sort of permeating everything the mm-hmm. relationship the way the relationship plays out and these actors are all unprofessional
2: Oh really non-professionals I, I didn't, I didn't Sorry, I shouldn't that. say yeah.
0: unprofessional is a negative connotation No, no non-professional, <laughs> yeah non-professionals so when you think of that and you think of like the vibrant passionate kind of vision and then the way that the two leads act that out and bring that, you know, realize that and, and the way that they infuse and invigorate the film, you can uh, forgive that kind of uh, familiar storyline that it has. I mean, it's not familiar in the sense that there aren't a lot of films that take place in the Roma community, but what is familiar is that it's a very, very traditional community and very patriarchal And what you have is two women, two young women, so still under the control of their fathers, so to speak, in this traditional uh, setup. And they are, you know, breaking the rules. And, uh, you know, as more people find out, there's this kind of um, like breaking of tradition, but there's uh, this complete upset of the world view of the entire community, of everybody that they know, their families, that, you know, everything. And so that sort of that kind of, that type of coming out film is is not unfamiliar. It's kind of familiar by now. But the way that it's realized by the, the director and the actors, I think, is what really makes this stand out.
2: Yeah, I think, I, I agree, it's a very... Traditional story for these type of um, coming out narratives, but I I think the performances because I didn't realize they were they were professional actors. Like I was I completely bought into the performances. Everyone from like the father down, and you know I thought also the the fact that you have a gypsy community that is basically being ostracized by the rest of the Spanish community, and then to have them once the re, uh, revelation of this relationship comes out. Than ostracized, like there's there's several layers of people being ostracized, right? And you would think that the gypsy community would be a little more open-minded, considering that they've endured the hardships of being, you know, pushed aside. And mm-hmm. but yeah. faith and religion and old ways of, you know, the patriarchal society where the men still dominate and can threaten to kill their wives and daughters, <laughs> and it's just considered acceptable practices
0: that's just the way it is yeah, there is no other reality it,
2: it, it does for me it still felt real enough and i think even though it's a familiar story sometimes those stories help to transcend all because you're watching a film set in what spain and you're like this could be set in canada united states exactly wherever and it still it still plays and i think the performances are are good enough to uh Elevated, so I don't know. I, it won me over. It yeah. won me over. Me too. I will say, if we're going to um, talk about continuing the the female train in, in terms of female led stories, um, I watched a film called Jin um, by an American filmmaker, um, Nijah Moomin, and it's all about again identity, which is a, a theme I've discovered a lot in watching these films and coming to terms with what you want out of this world and what those around you want. And it's all about this young um, 17-year-old girl whose mother is a pretty popular uh, meteorologist on TV. And one day her mother decides to convert to Islam. And the daughter decides, well, she's going to be supportive and, you know, try and understand her mother a bit better as she's becoming this new person. And she converts as well. And she starts to discover some of the the joys of Of that faith you know the brighter side but also there's the whole reality of islamophobia going on and so that's kind of like in the back burner but it's really the story is really about this 17 year old girl trying to navigate multiple worlds so when she's at school she's still kind of discovering herself and it's the age of instagram and putting your business out there as they say and that doesn't quite go well with the faith and you know she falls in love with a, a boy who uh, from the same mosque and goes to her school, but then you also have to deal with hormones and you know there's certain practices that when any religion when you're young you know embracing your sexuality is not a a um, positive aspect. So it's really about her trying to navigate all these changes and figuring out who she is and what she wants out of the world. And it's it's a really well done, film. Again, some of the tropes are familiar, but I think it it works very well, and the performances are really good. Uh, Blew my mind is another film that's playing at the festival, and this one I could, the best way I can describe it is it has shades of Ginger Snaps but oh, yeah. is but it's <laughs> the like Canadian film the, the Canadian yet? film which was about a teenage girl discovering she's a werewolf and in this case <laughs> it's about a girl who moves to a new community and trying to get into she's in a new school and wants to hang out with the cool kids ie the kids that are causing all the tr- problems and as she's gets accepted and starts you know doing rambunctious things she starts to realize that there's just things about her that are changing like you know she starts getting bruises on her legs and not feeling well and then you start to slowly see that she's actually becoming a mermaid <laughs> so how how she like how she got there with her parents like you, you assume she was adopted at some point right. whatnot. They, they never really clarify how she gets there you just start with her being a certain age there's questions about her past but they never dive into it and then you're seeing her go down this really destructive path Of youth and everything from like shoplifting to drugs to even further, right? Like the last 20 minutes are really uncomfortable (laughs) to watch, right? But then at the same time, you're seeing her become this mermaid, which is also Uh really terrifying. So like how Ginger Snaps used um, the transformation to basically talk about like puberty and um, menstruation and stuff like that. This is again another thing, of like you know, body changes, being teen, trying to come to terms with who you are, facing the realities of your of your life, and it's done with mermaids. And any <laughs> any time there's a film with mermaids, you know this is going to be something a little sinister mm-hmm. But because mermaids are scary. <laughs>
0: are, they're not as scary as werewolves. I mean, mermaids can be quite pleasant. Ah, uh,
2: yes, but if you look but, at uh,
0: the way this one Yeah, I was going to say like how does how does the film handle how does the filmmaker handle this, it, it, this transition? It, she handles
2: it very well. Like she kind of hints at things, but it, it never goes straight horror. You know, there's like moments where you see her eating raw fish, you know, uncontrollably and stuff, but unlike Ginger Snap, it doesn't go straight horror. It keeps it in the the realm of drama. It's just the evolution is is slow and then by time it gets to the point where it's like she can't fight it anymore all right so that was a really uh interesting interesting <laughs> film <laughs>
0: that was blew my mind
2: blew my mind um and it's it's even how it's shot like you, there's a lot of subtle water imagery th- <laughs> throughout the film and the last one i will point out is um respeto and it's this one is actually senator on a mill this time and getting back to the 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 notion of like masculinity and coming of age this one is set in the philippines and it follows a young i guess wannabe rapper who lives with his sister and her boyfriend and they're they're living in poverty the sister and her boyfriend are running scams and petty crime and one day this young rapper in a moment of vandalism gets in trouble and damages this local bookstore that's run by um, an older gentleman. And as part of the punishment, he and his friends have to work at that bookstore. And it's one of those things where it's like opposites attract and the bookstore owner and the, the young rapper kind of grow a mutual respect for one another. And then you start to learn a bit more about the older man and like the problems he's having with his son, who's a, Police officer, but also a crooked police officer, and it's just interesting dynamics in terms of the the um, the way that these two interact and kind of grow from one another. And I, I thought it was really well done. Hmm.
0: You know? It sounds like uh, like a greater understanding. Mm-hmm. It's one of those films where people gain a greater understanding of each other.
2: Yeah, and even with him wanting to be um, a rapper, it's not like the the typical, you know, you're just going to rise above it. Like you see him doing little rap battles and just getting destroyed by the competition and you know, showing that you can't just come into particular worlds and think that you know everything, right? And
0: So wait, so he's maybe not the most successful rapper?
2: No, at the, at the beginning he's he's really not. Like I mean, he's he's I guess in the rap battle scene average at best, but it's like again, this when he starts working at the bookstore the older man starts opening him up to poetry and stuff like that and like you know basically saying you need to learn the basics even if you're doing stuff like hip hop there's still basics that you need to know right and like they they kind of learn from each other so it's so it was a really well done film
0: that sounds very cool mhm and that one was called
2: uh, that one is uh, respeto which i think translates to respect
0: very good yeah that makes sense mm-hmm. that's a that's a great so that sounds wonderful. So all of these films that we've talked about and many more are playing at the TIFF Next Wave Film Festival running from Friday to Sunday. The, yeah, the 17th. So 15th to the 17th, all info, tiff.net slash nextwave and tickets too. So now we're going to switch over to another film festival that's happening this week, the 7th Annual Toronto Black Film Festival. And it's uh, it's got some bold and it's really diverse and innovative programming and there are things happening besides films being shown for example there's going to be a lot of different food vendors mm-hmm. around so all different kinds of food which is always a wonderful thing we like food everybody likes good food but also they're uh having hosting a special evening with Tarana Burke and she was the founder the original person who used the the me too Hashtag, and so she's going to get the uh, 2019 TBFF Social Impact Award. And there's this evening on Saturday. You can uh, go to this event where she gets the award, and there's a Q and A with her. And uh, yeah, so info for that and everything else we're about to talk about is at TorontoBlackFilm.com. dot com. But that that is a very you know special opportunity. To talk with an icon mm-hmm. right so um, do you want to start with the one we both talked about or you want to end with it?
2: No, we can start with that That's fine.
0: okay so one of the other things that's happening is there's going to be a movie talk which means uh, the subject of this one film that's you know gotten a lot of attention um, he's going to be there at the screening and that's on Friday. And the film is called while I breathe I hope which is the uh, the motto of South Carolina right mm, yeah and so that's the name of the film while I breathe I hope and it's about the um, se- senator or he representative
2: was, he was a I guess he was the youngest person to be in the House of Representatives Um, we're talking about Picari Sellers who uh, a lot of people would probably know from um, his punditry on CNN these are frequent panelists on yeah okay so
0: let me just run through his history just quickly Mm -hmm. Um, okay so what happened is that his father was an activist in South Carolina and let me sure I've got this uh I don't have the dates right.
2: No, but he was um it was definitely the civil rights era cuz there's a shot of him with like Martin 20 years King.
0: 20, yeah. 20 years before so Bakari Sellers was born in 1984. 24 20 years before that was the Orangeburg massacre that happened in South Carolina where uh State troopers yeah, just it was, it was, fired on a group of people that were unarmed, a group of black people protesting um peacefully, but they just fired and eight people died. Three people died. I think
2: three people died but there was a lot, was a suffered, lot of people injured, that was wounded.
0: Yeah. And uh so Bakari's father, he ended up in prison. He was kind of like taken as, you know, the the head leader yeah, the de
2: facto leader yeah, yeah.
0: and then he was he had to you know spend a lot of time in prison so the film opens with a 50th memorial anniversary of that massacre uh with sellers as the keynote the younger sellers mm-hmm. bakari sellers as the keynote speaker and then you find out that he is uh, although he uh, is a, in the house of representatives he's now uh, bec- he's on a campaign to become the lieutenant governor of South Carolina. And a lot happens there. And you see Sellers, you know, giving speeches. And you see intimate and public appearances. And you get to re- I really felt like I really got to, to know Sellers. And you got to see all the different sides of him. And that, that was really interesting the way they – you know, it, it, the film was able to draw on the past – and then the recent past, and then after the election, how Sellers has now, as as Courtney has pointed out, rightly so, he is now you know a pundit on CNN, but he's you know he's an activist. He gives speeches, mm-hmm. um, and he's he's really like a galvanizing individual, you know, especially now with the Trump presidency, uh, people look to him to address. What's going on, and uh, and to to speak on it, and as a voice of reason, uh, rightly so, because uh, I guarantee you will be like enamored as, as enamored as I was with this individual, because the strength, the courage, the the bravery, and the sensitivity of this individual all come out in the film, and along with what the I think what the film does even more. And more importantly, is that during the course of all these events that are going along, especially the the candidacy, right? Mm-hmm. That's when you start to see the great divide in the South, which we all know is there, but the extent of the racism. It, it's just leaves you sp- left me speechless, but it, it helped me understand just the kind of odds that someone as you know, as great as Bakari Sellers has to face in a campaign.
2: Yeah, and especially because he's, he's so young. But That was a thing. He, yeah, he, I kept he, forgetting he that he was
0: 23 when he first got elected. Yeah,
2: so when he's running, I think he was like probably, what, 24 when he's running for lieutenant governor? Or actually, no, he might, he's probably, I forget how old, he's probably like maybe 28 or so. Mm-hmm. I think he was, but still. He was in the House f- for a while. But even, even then, like you see his frustration when he was in the House of Representatives to... to all the bureaucracy and how you know they spend all this money and they actually don't really achieve much because people want to keep things the way they are. And as he's running for lieutenant governor, it's even worse because you start to see <clears throat> the levels of power in South Carolina. I from like when Nikki Haley, before she was in the Trump administration, like you know she was like it's at the top level of their government, and then you work your way down, and everyone is just trying to keep the the status quo. And the status quo is that the predominantly White areas are going to be wealthy and have better schools, and predominantly black areas are going to live in poverty. And,
0: and there's absolutely no way that even he can even change the mind of one voter.
2: Yeah, well, he can he can change the mind of voters. I think it's just the, the not odds enough. Are the, I, I think the <laughs> some of those
0: people were like, I'm not even. I don't even look at, at what he's he's about. I'm not voting for him.
2: But I think that's. I think that's important to have in the film because I think it it says a lot about not only American politics, but I think just politics in general right now. I think there's a lot of people that are what we call single issue voters, right? And the single issue could be that if you're Republican, I'm either going to vote for you or I'm not going to vote for you, right? If you are for abortion or anti-abortion, like whatever that one issue is, that's it. And for him, you know, he had to rally to get the the black votes out because for years of them being disenfranchised. And as we've seen with elections, um, the suppression of, of voter rights yeah. and stuff like that, he, you know, he's got to tell all those people your votes still matter and get them out. And then he has to go and get the predominantly white community who really don't interact with the the black side of South Carolina or just consider that they're going to vote for the white person like there's people that are openly racist to him yeah, on they the just street say, I'm
0: no I'm voting for the white guy that's yeah, it
2: but there's some people that are like utterly like yellow slurs and stuff that they that's catch true. on camera right and that's it's just true. It's and to him he's just like ah it's just another day <laughs> you know that's just how it is so it's it, it does a really wonderful job of using South Carolina and you're watching it getting a better knowledge of South Carolina, but you're also getting a better understanding of America right now and why it's so divided. Mm-hmm. Because there's longstanding issues that people aren't addressing and the people in power want to make sure that you don't address it and kind of go on the So, yeah, it was a, it's a really, really good film. And I didn't know too much about him going in outside of, I've seen him on CNN a couple of times. So it was really interesting to, to get a, a well-rounded portrait of him.
0: Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I think it's a must-see, this mm-hmm. film. So it's called uh, While While, while I, I Hope, I Breathe. breathe. Uh, yep. While I Breathe, I Hope. <laughs> so, we have to get that title right. While I Breathe, I Hope.
2: And uh, I will talk about one quick, uh, it's a, a narrative film that's playing. It's a Canadian film called Salvage. Uh, I believe it's a new director, um, Tyler Dowie. And it's, a, it's an interesting film about a homeless man who... F- ends up taking a job via a want ad where he has to deliver some envelopes, but without actually opening them, for a couple of couple of bucks. Um, and you start to re- he starts to realize that by doing this job, he may be inadvertently aiding a a kidnapper, a person who's been abducting young girls in the community. So a lot of the film is him figuring that out, coming to terms with it, and then trying to decide what he wants to do. Uh, The film though is, is not told in a linear fashion. So it bounces around in time. So you spend a lot of time at the beginning with him kind of struggling as a person living out of his car, trying to, you know, siphon gas when he can, hoping to get the random interview and not. So there's a lot of focus on that. And then slowly you start to see that, you know, they're, other issues at play and like his whole decline might've started from an incident that happened back with, I'm assuming it was his wife um, because you only get a few brief moments of that and you know, the drugs might come into play. Like you, you get snippets of a lot of things and I, I feel like there's a really interesting tale of redemption in there, but the film didn't quite work for me. And I think partly because I respect that the film leaves a lot of the heavy lifting for the the audience but at the same time i don't feel like it gave the audience enough information to want to invest in the heavy lifting so by time things start to unravel and become a lot more clear you've already kind of lost interest in why you're following this guy's story you know and then the 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 thriller aspect of it doesn't feel as compelling because your mind's still thinking, but wait, this how did you get from A to B via these particular scenes? Like, you know, we need a little more uh, moments to get like the, the real emotional weight of him being homeless and what led to that. And then also, which makes the redemption a lot more powerful, mm-hmm. where it was just kind of like I felt I was just watching go through the motions. And I felt like the film was almost too smart for its own good. Like stylistically uh-huh. with yeah, the yeah. playing of time and showing you different angles of something. It's like, aha, now you notice that this, what we're showing you before, this is what it really means. You know, right. it's like, oh, well, you could have shown me that a lot earlier <laughs> and, or spent less time showing me the hardships because I, I gather, you know, if you're living out your car and siphoning gas, you're you're, you're living a hard life, right? right. And give me a, a little bit more breadcrumbs in terms of like what led to, to that because he doesn't really interact with that many people. So the dialogue is very minimal. And then when we are introduced to other characters, again, the dialogue is very minimal. So we, d- there's not enough connections for us to, to really, um, pull for the redemptive narrative. Like we should, mm-hmm. I think, um, I think Tyler Dowie has a, a good future ahead. Like it's a really interesting premise. And I think he, he'll go on to be a, a, a good filmmaker, but I just, I don't know. This film just didn't work for me.
0: Hmm. Okay. Well, we, uh, we do have a film that it's premiering at uh, the Toronto Black Film Festival, but then it's going to um, be broadcast on CBC next weekend. Oh, okay. So we are going to talk about that one, hopefully have an interview with someone connected with the film. Mm-hmm. And so we have that to look forward to. And maybe next week we'll have a chance to have a little debate because you said Minding the Gap was the most interesting um Documentary. You well, saw. I said it was my favorite. Yours was last it your year. favorite. My You'd, favorite. Of last you, I just year. discovered mine. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it just came out on Canopy, and it's Hail County. Oh,
2: I like that one this as evening. well. Yes, yeah. that was another Oscar. Yeah, we could talk about that next. But week it's as on, well. it, because yeah. it's
0: on Canopy, right? This so Mindy the Gap is playing at this at the Next Wave Festival, mm-hmm. and Can- and Canopy has Hail County this morning this evening. You know, yeah. we can maybe have a little uh, yeah, we can just a mini <laughs> debate on the uh, best documentaries.
2: Uh, that's a debate I'm willing to have because I enjoyed them both. So. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Cool. And so, okay. So, just to remind everybody, we we have been talking about films from the Toronto Black Film Festival, and it's happening right now. It
2: Goes and on to ha- I think what Sunday.
0: It goes on to the 18th. Oh wait, okay and it's uh it's the 7th annual so it's going strong so all the information you need is at torontoblackfilm.com thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch you next week